Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to the batch video for the web novel Out of Space from the website Royal Road. In this video we will be doing chapters 241 to 244 and as always I hope that you enjoy and if you do please consider supporting the channel. Chapter 241 Ambush Great Ocean Plains Shields! Taurus yelled as several orkins charged up swinging massive cleavers and axes. The battle-hardened troops quickly slammed their shields together, forming a wall against the orkin charge. The men yelled at the orkins hammered against the shield wall, knocking a couple men back and denting the iron reinforced shields. The rest of the troops quickly closed together to cover the gaps while others dragged the wounded away. The shield wall, barely ten shields wide, flexed inwards as the Orkins threw their full body weight behind their weapons, threatening to smash down the flimsy shield wall. Spears, forward! Taurus quickly ordered the second line of troops to advance with their long spears. He next turned to the drivers and helpers armed with crossbows and hid behind the ring of wagons and ordered, Loose! Twangs of bows, strings rang out, and auxiliary support fired their crossbows at the Orkins, who ignored the bolts slamming into the bodies. They parried the stabs and long spears and backed off, giving the shieldmen some breathing space. Form up! One of the squad leaders yelled as the shieldmen and tired men reformed their formation and pressed forward towards the Orkins. Suddenly, several thunderous roars and smoke burst from amongst the Orkins. Almost immediately the shield wall exploded, sending broken men and wood shards flying. The last company troops screamed in shock and pain, while the spearmen at the back paused in confusion. Taurus frowned as he wondered what kind of spell was that, and cursed himself for not bringing several mages along. He only knew a few spells due to him being a noble in a previous life. He only knew several basic level 1 spells, which were more than enough to get him out of any sticky situations. Knowing the situation would worsen if the men unrallied, he rushed forwards and yelled at his men, Charge! Quickly charge! Despite the confused and dazed, the troops responded to Taurus's orders and charged, their responses having honed over many battles. They leapt over the fallen comrades and yelled at the fierce war cry as they closed in on the Orkins that were almost half the size larger than them. Another thunderous roar and smoke erupted from the Orkin, and the men fell with bloody holes in their bodies, two limbs flying off. Taurus gasped in shock at the power of the Orkin, his mind unable to understand why they have such powerful magic. The survivors waved unsteadily as the sudden violent deaths made them pause. The dying and wounded screamed and thrashed about, and bloody ground made the battle-hardened men felt a tingle of fear down their spines. <laughs> the small party of Orkins laughed and their expressions of fear on softskins. The softskins surrender, if not you taste my boom boom. <laughs> Taurus looked at the fear and showed on the remaining men, less than half still standing while they barely downed a single Orkin. Hell! He tossed his rapier down in blood-soaked soil and ordered the rest of his men to lay down their weapons. <laughs> The Orkins laughed and disarmed everyone before holding them all together. They left the badly wounded and dying behind. With practiced hand, they noosed everyone together with a rope and a human chain and tied the end to one of the wagons before whooping with joy and drove the captured wagons away. Taurus could only curse the fate that they stumbled after the wagon, unsure of what the future would hold for them. 
Tyria cut off his engine and strapped the dirt bike at the base of the outcrop of rocks. He climbed up the outcrop and removed his binoculars from his pouch and scanned the area. The rest of Claymore 1 parked their bikes and stretched their bodies as they rested while waiting for Tyria. See anything? Hitsu asked as he chewed on some jerky. It's four days and we haven't found any orc merchants to rob. Well, what do you know? Tyria grinned as he focused his sights on the train of black dots in the distance. We got a winner. Really? Hitsu chucked the remaining jerky into his mouth and climbed up the rocks with the others. Taking out his own set of binos, he scanned the horizon. Where? Where? There. Teria pointed in the direction where he spotted the train of wagons. Looks like a kilometer or so out. The rest looked at where Teria pointed with their binos and the tiny dots enlarged into several wagons with dozens and dozens of people following the caravans. All right, let's keep an eye on them. I don't want everyone to watch them, but I want two to watch and the rest to be resting. Once they stop for the night, Tyria smiled, we ambush them. Hoorah! Taurus's throat was parched while his lips were cracking due to the dry weather. The amount of water the Orkins doled out barely helped quench their thirst, not to mention the dry rock-hard bread. The Orkins stopped the wagons and herded the men together and tied the end of the line to another wagon. They started to prepare to cook dinner, and one of the Orkins came over with a bucket, handing out the stale biscuits and a small cupful of water to each person. Taurus barely had the strength to chew the hard biscuit, as the hard three days' travel had sapped all his strength, but he forced himself to bite and swallow the biscuits, as he knew he needed the energy to keep moving. He thought he briefly heard a sound of distant thunder as he drifted off into a dreamless sleep, as he laid huddled amongst the rest of the men, sharing body warmth. Jack left, Tyria hissed softly to Team 2, as they advanced slowly towards the camp in the middle of the night, with their night vision goggles down. He rested his cheek against his rifle butt, and he and Team 1 advanced tactfully forward. Team 3 advanced towards the right of the camp and reported, 1, 3, 2 sentries spotted, over. 1, 2, 1 sentry spotted, 2 Omegas, sleepers, over. 1, 2 all, standby, over. Tyria replied as he and Team 1 swept the central area of the camp and spotted a sitting orc and two other shapes sleeping next to the campfire. I see one sitting by the fire and two sleepers, over. A couple of clicks was heard in the comms as Team 2 and 3 acknowledged his report. Tyria nodded as all eight of the orc's positions were identified. One to all. Mark your targets. Stand by for takedown. Over. Roger. Affirmative. Tyria gestured to the new guy wolf to target the sitting orc, and they waited for the rest to be ready. One, two, target marked, standby, over. One, three, on target, ready to go, over. One to wall, on three, two, one, mark. Wolf silenced M2 tutted, and the 6.5mm bullet snapped into the sitting orc's head with a wet smack, knocking him off the perch. One, two, two Omegas down. One, three, Tango down. Go, go, go! Terrier whispered loudly and he gestured with the rest of the team one forward, his weapons covering the sleepers. Clear the camp, take all the Omegas. Terrier ordered as he creeped up next to one of the sleeping orcs and stamped down swiftly with his bayonet into the muscular throat of the sleeping orc. The thick muscles barely provided any resistance as the hone blade pierced through the tissues, tendons and nerves. Tyria stuffed the smelly blankets the orc used to cover himself against the cold against the face as the orc spasmed and struggled in sudden surprise. 
Soon, the struggling orc ceased his death spasms, and Tyria looked to see Tavals as Simile finished off the other sleeper. He gave a questioning nod to Tavall, who replied, indicating his target was dead. Wolf had smartly kept himself in the shadows, his weapon sweeping the camp for further unexpected threats. All teams report, Terrier whispered as he wiped the blade clean against the blankets. Two, all clear, zero movement. Three, clear, but there's a whole bunch of prisoners and slaves here. Roger, sweep and check the wagons, Terrier replied before he gestured to the rest towards the wagons. After several minutes, Claymore One regrouped at the campfire. All cleared. Wagons mostly carried trade goods, Altiad reported. Eight kills, Loke replied. About twenty-eight men tied up back here. Leave them there for now. We'll set them in the morning, Terrier replied. Clear the bodies before any beasts or monsters come sniffing for blood. The rest nodded and split up to handle the dead orcs before returning to the camp. All right, half on watch and the other half get some rest. Tyria said once they had cleared all the traces of the one-way fight away. Make sure someone is always keeping an eye on the slaves. Taurus's eyes blinked as he rapidly woke up from the uncomfortable position he'd been laying on, and his mind slowly cleared. He wondered why didn't the Orkins come as usual to kick them awake once it was first light. To his surprise and shock, he saw a couple strangely dressed and faced painted barbarians sitting on the wagon tops watching them. Who are you people? With his cry, the rest of the men woke up too, and they saw the confused and surprised by the appearance of the strange barbarians. Suddenly, another one of those barbarians appeared between the wagons and took out a knife. The men cursed as they braced themselves against the strange barbarian, unsure what he was going to do. The barbarian, without a word, tossed the knife to the men and sat down on the side on one of the wagons and waited. Everyone paused and looked at each other, before looking back at the barbarian seated on the casual pose. Well, what are you waiting for? You want us to fight amongst ourselves? Taurus's anger rose up as he cursed the barbarians. We are not slaves. He assumed that the Orkins had sold them to these barbarians. Tyria rolled his eyes and sighed. No, what makes you think I want you to fight amongst yourselves? It's to cut yourselves loose, you idiot. Taurus was dumbstruck as he heard the barbarian's words. Why would you want to free us after buying us from the Orkins? What hidden motive do your barbarians have? Tyria sighed again. First, we did not buy you. The orcs are dead. Anyway, it's up to you if you want to stay tied up. Me? I'm going to go get something to eat. With that, Tyria stood up and walked off, heading towards the campfire. Taurus was confused. The Orkins were dead. He gestured to one of his men. Cut us loose. The men nodded and soared away at the ropes and bound everyone together. After everyone was cut loose, Taurus gestured for everyone to follow him as they followed the barbarians' footsteps and entered the camp. Taurus noted that there were only seven barbarians in total. Three were on the wagons acting as guards or lookouts, while the rest were preparing some food at the campfire. Well, if you have any injuries, my guy here will take a look at it. The earlier barbarian said as the last company men stood uncertainly before him. I also need some help from you guys to prepare the food. Taurus nodded to his men and gave out a yell of happiness and went off to help prepare food despite being weakened. My name is Taurus von Goldblum. I am second in command of the last company. Sergeant Tyria, the 101st, the barbarian replied while chewing on some jerky. How did you end up in such a state? Damn Orkins ambushed us. End 
of chapter. Chapter 242, Opportunity. Outskirts of Sin City. Mills laid on his back next to the prone figures of Drake and Kant as they kept an eye on the city in the distance while Slow was fussing about the campsite. The four of them remained behind when Claymore 1 sent off to find some orc merchants to hijack their wagons. It had been five days since they had left and today was the deadline for them to return back to the camp to report in. They had agreed to seize all forms of electronic communications after suspecting that the deserters might be behind the city as they feared that the deserters might pick up on their comms. So, you think they managed to find some orc merchants? Mills asked. Maybe, I don't know. Drake replied as he scanned the city walls with his scope. Damn, aren't you bored staring through that all day? Mills folded his arms over his head as he stacked his legs over. Drake sighed and glanced at Mills' attitude. You're a goddamn sergeant now, act like one. Mills laughed. Come on, chill bro. Hey guys, Kant suddenly called out. I got some movement here. Lots of movement. Where? Drake quickly put his eyes back on the scope and looked at the city walls. The main gate, Kant replied excitedly. Wow, looks like something major's going on. Mills flipped himself over and crawled up to the crest of the mound and took out his binos and quickly focused on the city gates. He could see the long train of wagons and riders pouring out of the city, and the orcs were all heavily armored and armed. Crap, did they somehow find us? Mills cursed as he yelled out at the camp. Slow, pack it up, five minutes. Drink, keep watch, can't go help slow. Mills called out as he scrambled down the slope and quickly headed back to their hidden camp. As they both ran back to the camp, they saw Slow had already packed most of the gear they laid out. Asagi, the spider golem, docilely sat at the side with its back to Slow, allowing him to load the fuel packs onto ASCG's back. After ensuring everything that was gathered up and secured either to their bikes or ASAG, Mills ran back and dropped himself next to Drake. Are they heading towards us? Um... Don't think so, Drake replied. They seem to be heading west. Mills frowned as he observed the movement of the orc troops. Doesn't seem like a merchant escort. There's like what, 200 orcs? I think it's closer to 500 orcs in their party, Drake said. Is it a raiding party? Are we going to bug out? Can't ask from behind them as they slow joined them. Ah, false alarm, Mills frowned. Damn it, we're at Tyria and his team... Tara sat next to Tyria as the wagon that they were on slowly rolled over the never-changing grassland. So you all just want to enter the city? Tyria nodded without saying a word. He and the rest of his men had changed their uniforms to what the locals dressed in. Hmm, why don't you just walk in? Taurus pressed on. You should be able to enter the city easily. Tyria gave Taurus a raised eyebrow and replied, Seriously? You tried to go to the city with several wagons and an escort, and what happened in the end? Point taken, Taurus conceded and smiled, but I'm still curious. You haven't told me the reason why you want to enter the city. It's best if you don't know the reason, Tyria said. I think it's about time I set up camp for the night. Once the convoy stopped and the men went about their duties of setting up camp for the night, Tyria and his men removed their dirt bikes from one of the wagons. We'll be back by morning... He said curtly to Taurus, who nodded, used to these barbarians' mysterious ways in just a few days. The strange magic mounds roared to life as they zipped off into the distance at speeds greater than what the war dragon could run at. The last company men watched the dust cloud 
kicked up by the barbarians mixed with feelings as they disappeared into the night together with the roar of those mounts. They're back, Wells called out as he heard the distinct rumble of the motorcycle engines. Soon, the headlights of several motorcycles lit up the camp as members of Claymore 1 drove in. We managed to get a caravan and make our way into the city, Tyria said as he sat down next to the fire. We'll dump our bikes here and meet up with them in the morning. We got a small problem here, Bills interrupted Tyria. Just five hours ago, a troop of orcs left the city heading towards the northwest. We estimated there were about 500 troops and they were all heavily outfitted for war, Mills said. I had Drake and Slow to trail them to see where they were heading. Once they are certain of the objective, they will send out a coded transmission to command, Mills explained. Tyria nodded. Okay, he will return with the caravan and sneak in with the merchants. If crap hits the fan, we will fire off a red flare. Got it. I and Conti here will keep overwatch for you guys. If there's any danger, three rapid taps on the mic. Merles replied and shook Tyria's hand as the other members of Claymore won. Good luck, people. Let's go. Slow and Drake had paused almost a kilometer away from the marching orcs as they stopped to make camp for the night. It was easy to spot the orcs as they had hundreds of burning torches and campfires burning in the night. They had traveled the orcs for a few hours with Slow riding on the ASAG, while Drake sat on his bike. Where do you think they're going? Drake asked Slow as they settled down for a cold dinner. That's a war band, Slow replied. They're not going to raid villages with that. But they are heading towards the northwest, Drake frowned. Could they be joining up with the Empire for a mercenary contract? Maybe, Slow gave a shrug. Or they're going to Orwell's Point. Damn, guess we can only find out later. As morning came, Tyria and his men appeared back at Taurus's caravan. They exchanged a few words before the men packed up the camp and prepared to continue on their journey to the city. Not long, they spotted the outline of the city in the distance. As they came closer to the city, they encountered more and more orc patrols who challenged their purpose before growling at them to behave and then galloping off on the tamed wind walls of theirs. By late afternoon, they joined a small queue of merchant wagons at the main gate. Dozens of wagons with orcs or alvin merchants with large escorts waited in the sun as the orc guards checked their cargo manifests before allowing them through. Finally, Taurus's caravan was next and the orc guards boredly asked them to state their business and what was in the wagons. Taurus slipped a couple gold crowns into the palm and the head guard to grease their way in faster. Tyria sat next to one of the drivers, holding a crossbow across his lap, acting as a caravan guard. He took in his surroundings, seeing the city walls that were made out of a mixture of concrete and mud bricks. The orcs did a show of inspecting their wagons before allowing them passage into the city, and Taurus waved the men through. So what now? Taurus asked as they entered the city. Find a place to stay and do your trading, Tyria replied. Don't worry about me. Well, if you say so. Taurus gave a good-natured shrug. Now, where do we go? The main fairway after the gates expanded out roughly in a few hundred meters before an internal wooden stockade led into the city proper. Workers labored at flattening and preparing the land for further expansion of the city between the two walls. Reaching the wooden gate, another group of bored orcs pointed out the merchant district, warning them that they can't enter the inner city without an escort or risk getting thrown into jail before allowing them into the city. The streets behind the second gate were wide and crudely paved, but surprisingly clean. 
The air had the usual smells of an overcrowded city and the sourish orc odor. Slaves were easily identified from the various colored collars that were around their necks, busy with one thing or another. Following the instructions by the guards, they turned right into the highway for wagons and followed the several crude arrows that were pointed them to the merchant's district. Pop-up stalls and shops selling various products of fresh vegetables lined the sides of the streets, and the street ended in a massive L-shaped structure that was three stories tall. A slave dressed in walk robes and a bronze collar came up and said, Masters, please follow me and park your wagons inside the stables. Taurus nodded and gestured his men to follow the slave, who led them to a barn-like structure where dozens of wagons had already filled the stalls. After the men settled their wagons and mounts, the slave handed a wooden token to Taurus and bowed. Master, this token is used for doing trading with the merchant guild inside and also retrieve your parked wagons and mounts. Please keep it safe. Will our goods be safe here? Taurus asked worriedly. Master, you can rest easy. The slave gestured to several orc guards milling around the building. No one dares steal here. The punishment is quite severe. Taurus nodded before asking, Where can we find a good inn for all my men? The slave halfway gave a few recommendations and Taurus awarded him with a couple of silvers. The slave thanked Taurus before he went to serve the next merchant wagons that came roading in. Let's find an inn and get some food and rest for the day. Taurus grinned at his men who cheered. Tomorrow we go trade our stuff for what we need. After asking around two inns that were recommended by the slave, they finally found an inn that had enough rooms to accommodate all the last company troops. Tyria and his men joined in the common area of the inn during dinner and the men cheered them as they entered. Taurus smiled and handed mugs of ale and surprised Claymore one members. Well, we never properly thanked you for saving us. Bottoms up. Bottoms up, the men cheered as they toasted Tyria and his men who joined them. Tyria sat down next to Taurus and asked, So what are you going to do now? Sell off our trade goods and barter for grains and tools, Taurus said. My people will need these things if they want to survive out here. Tyria nodded as he gave a vague idea of Taurus's purpose here. How big is your community? Around 5,000, Taurus replied as he sipped his ale. But at least half are fighting men. Five thousand? Tyria was surprised. That many? It's growing still, and we barely have enough to feed everyone there, Taurus continued. That's why the trip to barter for seeds and other necessities are important. Taurus finished off his mug of ale while Tyria pushed his mug over to him. We crossed one and a half kingdoms to come here. I see, Tyria covered his mouth as he grinned. It must be tough. Say, uh, where is that village of yours again? End of chapter Chapter 243 A Brewing Storm All Wells Point Shadowy figures darted past the unsuspecting patrolling soldiers from one alley to another. They made use of low roofs, sewers, and other forms of cover to gather near the docks in one burnt-down warehouse, still in the midst of being repaired. All here? A voice whispered out amongst the gathered and someone struck a flint, only to be slapped away by the neighbors. No fires! They can see us, the voice whispered frighteningly. They have some cursed magic that allows them to see light. The gathered shadows muttered amongst themselves as they heard a panicked tone in the speaker's voice. Be quiet. Let's be quick before they discover us. Why have you called us here? Another voice asked in the darkness. We might get caught. The reason why I called you here is that our ex-masters are rallying against us. 
the voice hissed in anger. Despite the intentions of the new barbarian overlords, they can't win against the might of the Empire. And once the Empire descends upon us with their full might, they might purge us all. The voice rose in terror and gathered rest shifted uneasily in the darkness. If we want to live, we must fight. The voice spoke again in a low hush. The gods have given us a chance of freedom and revenge. The barbarians forbid us from taking revenge as they desire the wealth of the imperial pigs. Yeah, some of the men agreed. Why must we listen to the barbarians? Sooner or later, we will still be slaves to them. No, another voice called out loudly. We must not. We gave our word that a new lord of the city, that we would behave, and they would treat us civilly. Ha! The original speaker spat to the side in disgust. Have you lost all your pride and dignity? After bowing and scraping to the imperial pigs, and now you're kissing up to those new barbarian lords. No, the second speaker quickly said. I trust these new lords. Can't you see that they are trying to make our people our well-fed and no longer discriminated any more as slaves? Haven't they returned us to dignity and freedom from the farms and made those responsible pay for crimes? So, in the end, they're just making use of us. The original speaker retorted, They're already siding with our ex-masters by preventing us from taking justice. They tell us to report all the crimes to them, and they will investigate. The speaker scoffed, When did you ever hear of such an investigation from nobles and merchants led to any news? Because they get paid off by the guilty parties. The speaker fervently said, Where is the justice in that? No, they gave us our justice already. The second speaker replied, Did they arrest all the nobles and merchants who found guilty of murders and mistreating us? Yeah, so, those are executed or imprisoned are small fries. The original speaker retorted back, Where is the imperial governor? Where is the merchant guild master? Where are they? That, the second speaker couldn't reply back to, and he didn't have an answer. See, the original speaker said smugly, Of course we don't know where they are. If they demand for their heads, the barbarian lords will not give us to them. Why? Because they have let them go. A voice rose angrily, and the gathered muttering rose along. They had bribed their way out. Those barbarians are making a show of goodwill. I say we fight the locals and the barbarians. The speaker suddenly declared, We outnumber them more than half. We can't let ourselves be ruled by others any more. We must take a hold of our fate in our own hands. But we have no weapons, someone in the group pointed out. And those barbarian lords have the powerful thunder magic. How can we even win? That's what we've gathered to discuss. Elsewhere, in another part of the city, another group of people with hooded cloaks and masks were gathering inside an underground cellar. They were whispering amongst themselves in hushed tones as they waited for the leader to appear. A hush came over the hooded group as three men entered the cellar from a secret door set into one of the stone walls. They bowed as a lead trio removed this hood, and a face covered with a golden half-face mask appeared. Um, we have no time, the masked man said quickly as he sat down before the gathering. We must make plans against the despicable slaves. Yes, the people all hissed in approval. These damn barbarians think that they can just walk in here and be the lords of Orwell Point. The gold-masked man said, They think, even if they remove the governor and the leaders of the merchant guild, then no one will dare to stand up to their atrocities. 
They think that their freeing the slaves gave them goodwill from the masses. The gold masked man's eyes glinted with a fervent glow. No! They dared to take our property, our blood and sweat, our livelihoods. No, the gathered growled. We are imperial citizens. The man continued to rise the gathered mood. We stand for the righteous. Yes, the gathered roared while the gold-masked man gestured for them to calm down. Tonight is the night that we'll further change our lives. The man looked at each gathered in the eye. Tonight will be the night that we future generations will remember us for doing the right thing. Come, my brethren, we must make plans to return our city to the Empire. Orwell's Point, Marine Stronghold Sir, we're picking up dozens of movements in the city. The surveillance operator called out to the duty officer in the command center. Is a good kind of movement or bad? The D.O. joked as he came over to the shoulder of the operator. The operator rolled her eyes as she tapped a few keys in a system and simplified map of the city. We got two hot spots here and here. The D.O. frowned and looked at the screen where the operator had highlighted movements, picked up by the thermal sensors and the cameras that the marines had secretly seeded all over the city. How many roughly in each spot? Estimated around roughly twenty each. The operator checked the notes before replying. The D.O. turned to another staff and said, Which teams are nearest those two locations? The staff consulted the duty charts before replying. Falcon's Platoon 2 is here and Griffin's Platoon 3 there. Send them both in to check with those two areas. It's curfew time and these boys want to play. Orwell's Point, intersection between the merchants and the warehouse district. 2nd Battalion Falcon Company, Platoon 2, Section 2. Lance Corporal Ply rubbed his tired eyes as he stood behind a sag bag emplacement with the rest of his section watching over the main crossroad to the warehouse and merchant district. He stifled a yawn and suddenly down the road he heard boots running and called out, Hey, what's up? His platoon lieutenant appeared leading the rest of the platoon as they came running over hastily. Section 4, take over Section 2's duties. As Section 4 had two men down with various illnesses, only five men were active. Lance Corporal Ply was confused as he asked, Lieutenant, what's the problem? We got a mission. The lieutenant quickly gave a quick update to Section 2's men. Seems like there's an illegal gathering going on right now down in one of the shops in the merchant district. They half ran over to the street where the surveillance cameras had traced the gathering at. They stopped under the newly erected power pole that had a camera attached to the top of it. Shoppers down the street, the lieutenant whispered. Sergeant Quayne, bring your section and block off the streets. Grab the leakers that escape our net. Sergeant Quayne of Section 3 nodded and quickly assigned duties to his section. The men quickly stepped off into the shadows as they blocked off all the exits to the street. Warm up, the lieutenant hissed as the rest of them behind him. Section 1, take the lead. Go. The men quietly advanced up towards the shop while keeping into the shadows. The glow moss of the lamps were only sufficient to light up a small area on the street while keeping most of the areas in darkness. Section 2, go to the back of the shop, see if there are any back doors. The lieutenant ordered and Ply at his section followed the sergeant to the back of the shop. As they came to the back, they saw that there was indeed a rear entrance. The sergeant whispered into his comms, telling the LT that they had found a door. On my account, reach it. 
The lieutenant replied and the men took up positions before the door. Three, two, one, breach. A sudden yell was loud enough to shatter the silence of the night before the heaviest orc or elf slammed their boots against the wooden door, breaking it into pieces and storming in with the weapons sweeping left and right. Clear! Cries came from the men as they checked the building. Upstairs! The marines ran up the stairs and checked each room on the second floor before yelling. All clear, not a single person here. Damn, isn't all wrong? The lieutenant cursed as he banged his fist on the table in the back room. He suddenly paused, and he hit the table again. Cocking his head to the side, he heard something. Quickly, he pushed the table away and stomped his boots on the wooden flooring as he yelled. There's a trap door here. Open it up. His men quickly pushed everything out of the way as they searched for the front for the way to open up the door that was hidden. They slipped their bayonet blades against the cracks of the flooring and soon pried open the door and found a flight of stairs going down. Go! Check it out, but be careful. The marines went down the stairs, their tactical lights lighting up the underground room, finding jars and other crates of items being stored here. Fly was in the light and the beam landed on a wooden door at the end of the underground cellar. Here! Quickly, the nearby marines formed up on him and they nodded at each other before Ply slammed his feet against the door, only to find himself flying backwards. What the? It's warded, someone yelled. Be careful of magical traps. Blow it up, the lieutenant ordered as he neared the marines, pulling out the large egg-shaped grenades as they jammed it against the door before pulling the pins. Fire in the hole. Everyone took cover while leaving their mouths open as the grenades suddenly blew up. The wards flickered before collapsing as the force of the frag explosion drained off the magic ward and a couple of fireballs suddenly appeared before hitting the rear cellar. If anyone was standing at the door, they would be burned to a crisp by the fireballs. Reach! Bang! And clear! The lieutenant yelled as his men responded by stacking up next to the scorched door. Marine unslung his shotgun from his back and aimed at the hinges, firing a single shot each which obliterated the hinges. The marine next to him kicked the door in and the marine on the side gave an underhanded toss of a flashbang as he hit the ground rolling before it erupted. A sudden flash and a bright white light could be seen from the corners of Ply's eyes as he followed by a sharp crack. Go, 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 go! He followed behind one marine who immediately turned his right and he entered while Ply swept his weapon to the left, covering the other side of his buddies. He saw several people in hoods and masks crying and screaming as they were blinded and deafened by the flashbang. What kind of parking party is this? End of chapter. Chapter 244 Demons On the floor now, the marines screamed at the dazed men inside the breach room. Down! Now! They grabbed anyone still standing and kicked their legs, making the hooded men fall down onto their knees before being slammed face down against the dirt floor. We got a hidden passage here, someone yelled in the glows of the mage knights. The marines saw a section of the wall was half blocked open by one of the escaping hooded men, who unluckily turned and faced the blast as the flashbang, rendering him half blind and screaming. Section 2, go check it out. The lieutenant ordered the men of Section 2 piled up next to the hidden door before entering cautiously one by one. They did not go far when the narrow passage opened up into the city sewers and they found themselves before a raised stone platform that was surrounded by flowing water. 
Under the beams of light, they saw four figures standing in the middle of the platform, and they yelled, Hands! Where I can see them! Ignoring the stench of raw sewage, Fly sidestepped to the left while the others spread themselves over to cover the area of the weapons. The four hooded figures continued to stand there silencing and unmoving. Hands! The sergeant roared at the four. Put your hands up! Now! One of the hooded men flipped his hood back and they saw he was wearing a half-golden mask. Well, I certainly didn't expect you barbarians to find our hideout so fast. But you're all too late. The golden mask smiled. I'll be seeing you again. That is if you all survive. <laughs> he laughed and suddenly he leapt off the platform and vanished like smoke into the shadows, with his laughter echoing off the sewage tunnels. <laughs> Fark! The sergeant ran to where the golden mask had disappeared, shining his flashlight all over, but he couldn't find any traces of the man. What the fark? Take them away. The frustrated sergeant ordered the rest while gesturing to the unmoving trio in the middle. Sarge, Blyde yelled, something's not right here. I don't have a good feeling about those guys. As if to confirm his point, the three hooded figures suddenly started to spasm on the spot. Bone cracking sounds could be heard from the hooded figures as they appeared to change shapes underneath their cloaks. What in the guard's name is going on? All marines aimed their weapons at the three who appeared to look taller and thinner, their limbs elongated while their bodies hunched over. One of the hoods of the men fell back and his head appeared to grow horns. The marines looked in horror as the flesh and the cheeks of the men ripped apart as he opened his mouth in agony. His teeth fell from his mouth in bloody chunks as fangs grew in the place and wide eyes behind the mask turned yellow. Demon! Sergeant cried out in horror. Fire! Almost instantly, the marines of Section 2 opened fire. Ply's hand had turned sweaty as he kept working the bolt after each pull of his trigger, only to find the rifle was empty. In his fear, he had fired off all his ammunition in his rifle and he had forgotten to reload. He just kept squeezing the trigger in fear. The heavy rounds hammered hard against the demon-possessed elves as their bodies underwent horrifying transformations. Bloody nails fell off and claws grew out, while bone spurs pushed through the flesh, skin, and cloth. Back! Fall back! The sergeant yelled and started shoving the fear-rooted marines towards the tunnel. Go! Bly nearly tripped as his jettied legs barely responded to his actions, but his section weight called him in time. They quickly dragged themselves back into the tunnel and out into the cellar and found section one with the bound prisoners staring at them in confusion. Run! Get out! The sergeant appeared behind them and tossed a grenade into the tunnel. Frag out! The thud of the grenade sent dust and dirt drizzling down from the roof of the cellar. Demons! Farking demons! Get topside now! The lieutenant was confused, but he acted quickly, ordering the marines to bring all the prisoners up and evacuate the building. As they exited the room, the secret doors exploded as a vaguely humanoid figure smashed its way through. Everyone looked back in horror at the demon with a permanent grin whose skin over the face was so tightly stretched that it had torn off most in places, exposing flesh underneath. It had a skeletal arms and claws with a pair of S-shaped horns growing out from the side of its head. Its body appeared thinner as the quiet, warm-fitting cloak now looks baggy over its skin and tall frame. 
It turned its bloody head and gave a peal of mad laughter as it spotted the marines and prisoners. Fresh meat! Run! Someone cried and it began a man scramble up the stairs. The lieutenant cursed and quickly ordered, Section 1, provide covering fire. The training of the marines had taken over as they quickly turned to fire as the demon host, buying time for the rest to climb up the stairs. The demon host flinched as the shots hammered against its body, causing foul, smutting dark red blood to splatter all over the cellars. Fall back! The order finally came and the marines quickly climbed the stairs, leaving behind a broken demon just as two more demons came in from the wreckage secret entrance. Due to the racket of the guns, all the people that lived nearby or their own stores were awakened, glowing of the mage light in the area and curious bystanders gathered while the others watched on from their windows. Evacuate everyone from 200 meter radius, the lieutenant ordered. What is HQ's reply? They're sending the rest of Falcon Company to support us, the radio man replied, but they are at least 15 minutes away. Crap, the lieutenant cursed. Never mind, get the people to safety. The side of the store exploded into bits of wood, plaster, and stone as a hulking creature roared. It crawled out on all fours like some kind of animal. Tatters of clothing remained on its body as bone spars and thorns had grown out everywhere. Its head had no longer had any resemblance to a person anymore, as long blunt fanged snot had stretched the skin tautly, sniffed the air and cocked its horned head before howling. Bly felt goosebumps and a howl sent tinkles of primal fear down his spine. He nearly dropped his rifle as he took a back from the creature. Hold firm, men! The lieutenant's voice roared out as he raised one hand up to the sky and his palm facing upwards and chanted a spell. Inspire courage. The lieutenant growled slightly and a ring of energy motes expanded out from him. Each soldier that was within the ring no longer felt fear as the spell cancelled away the effects of the demon's howl. Kill it! With their hearts fortified, the marines fired at the demon host, which screamed in pain while trying to close in with the soldiers. The third demon suddenly appeared from the ruined walls, and it too charged towards the marine. Ply, no longer panicking, fired his magic lock at the charging demon, who looked similar to the first demon, but its legs were bent backwards. Demons! Die! The orc marine, having the MG-1, advanced step by step forward, while hip-firing his machine gun. The bright red tracers peppered the dog demon and forced the bullets spending sprawled to the ground. Kill! The marines yelled a war cry and advanced up by firing movement, their shots forcing the demons to be unable to do anything before long. They laid unmoving on the ground with gunshot wounds all over. Even the shop front was so badly shut up, it looked like a mini war zone with numerous bullet holes all over the walls. Ceasefire, the lieutenant ordered. Go check to see if they're dead. The marines poked and prodded the bodies while before yelling, Clear, they're dead. Go check the one in the cellar, too. Joseph frowned as he looked at the marines policing the area where the demons had appeared. In the daylight, the demons did not look as frightening as they had at night, but it still makes one feel revolted by dripping pus and smells of hailstones. So, what happened? He asked the company commander of Falcon, how did these vile creatures come back here? Well, sir, they appear to be summoned by someone. The CEO of Falcon replied, 
Platoon 2 was sent to investigate an illegal gathering here, and upon pursuit of some escaped suspects, one of the suspects escaped, but left behind three presents for us. The CO gestured to the tent at the side where the bodies of the demon hosts were temporarily stored. From the statements of those arrested, they have no idea who the person responsible is, as they were all masked or hooded up to conceal their identity. The only name they know is a man called Golden Mask. We got enough evidence from them and they are planning to raise up in arms. The CEO continued, It's more than enough for a life imprisonment or death. Squeeze them for more info, Joseph replied. I want to know who that person who is capable of summoning demons. Yes, sir. Singapore, Captain's Quarters. Demons? Blake frowned as he looked at the screen with an image of Joseph. Any casualties? Thankfully, none, sir, Joseph replied, except for the three whose bodies were used to host the demons. Did you need anything? Blake asked. More troops or specialized personnel? Well, sir, if you could spare Dr. Sharon or Magister Thorne, Joseph thought for a while before replying, there would be great help in determining the origins of these demons, and also someone with good investigative skills. Got it, Blake nodded. I'll see what I can do on my side. Out. So what do you think? Blake asked the gathered officers in his office. Marine CO Frank frowned worriedly. Well, I don't really think it's a good idea to send either Dr. Sharon or Magister Thorne down. The city is still hostile, Frank explained, and we can't afford to have anything happen to either one of them. Pfft, Dr. Sharon waved off Frank's concerns. I'm a big girl, I know how to look after myself. And besides, who else knows how to do a biopsy here? Still, you're too important to be exposed to any dangerous situation, Frank argued back. If I may, Magister Thorne raised up a hand, I think we both should be there. Why? Blake asked. Because it's a demon, which I have some minor experience with demons in my life, Thorne replied. Also, I think with Dr. Sharon's help, she can help us with the science side. And while I may be old, Thorne grinned, I can still protect the doctor if needs require. Hmm, Blake rubbed his chin as he thought what to do next. Tavon, what do you think? I think it's a good idea to send both down to all our points, sir, the intelligence officer said, but I would propose a few additions. Like, Blake raised an eyebrow at Tavar. Adding the two girls from Hero's party, he suggested. The girl's mage can help Thorn and the magic side of things, while the hunter girl can help with the investigation part. She does have a very good tracking skills so maybe she can help us trace and find where the person responsible is. Blake nodded. That sounds good to everyone. All right, all of you, go pack for a holiday outfits and luggage. You're on the next flight down to Orwell's Point. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.